0: Welcome to Bethlehem Covenant Church's Sermon Podcast. We pray that you will be blessed as you listen to this message. Good morning, Bethlehem Covenant Church. Thanks for joining us here on this Sunday, September 10th. I hope you're really doing well. Um, We've been uh, having a good week. Uh, I tell you, all of our youth groups and midweeks and small groups are going now. And um, we're just having larger groups of people than we've had before. We praise God for that. A lot of people seeking to be in the Word and in in prayer together and in deeper fellowship, and we just love that. Um, If you'd like to know more about those, just let me know and uh, call our church office or call me, and and we'll let you know some of those things. We've also begun to hand out now our backpacks to the school every week with the food in them for the 30 or so different families uh, that we help there. So that's getting getting going. And then this coming Saturday uh, morning, we have a bridal shower for Brenna, who is marrying our youth pastor, Tobias. And uh, so all the ladies, we invite you to come out to the bridal shower uh, to get to know Brenna a little bit better and to make her feel welcomed and pray for her as she's going to be married next month and uh, excited that she's a part. She's already been such a part of our youth groups. She's uh, one of the leaders there already, uh, helping out in both the Breakout and the Collide group, so we're very thankful for her and look forward to her being part of our church. Um, we also have the Women's Retreat at Covenant Cedars that is accepting registrations right now. It's filling up fast, so if you're interested in going to that, it's on the weekend of October 6th through 8th. And it's always a good time, about 150 different women from Covenant Churches all around Nebraska and Kansas. And uh, would love to have you be a part of that. I think we have about 15 or so women from our church going. And so if you're interested, talk to Pastor Jessica or myself and find out more about the women's retreat. Um, But uh, look forward to those great things that are happening. Um, If you have your Bibles, we're uh, going to continue on in our sermon series on the people of God. And we are in Acts chapter 4 today, as we kind of work our way through a lot of Acts. We won't look at every chapter, but we're looking at some of the key chapters that describe who we are as a people and how we may be called to live today in our world as a church and as Christians and and that. And it's a really good uh, study for us. And so Acts 4, beginning in verse 5, and uh, we'll go to verse 31. So if you've got your uh, Bibles there, you can follow along with me. It says this, the next day, the rulers, elders, and teachers of the law met in Jerusalem. Annas, the high priest was there. And so was Caiaphas, John, Alexander, and the other men of the high priest's family. They had Peter and John brought before them and they began to question them by what power and what name did you do this? Then Peter filled with the Holy Spirit said to them, rulers and elders and people, If we are being called on account today for an act of kindness shown to a crippled man and asked how he was healed, then know this, you and all the people of Israel, it is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead, that this man stands before you healed. He is the stone whom the builders rejected, which has become the cornerstone. Salvation is found in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven given to men by which we must be saved. When they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. But since they could see that the man who had been healed standing was right there before them, there was nothing they could say. So they ordered them to withdraw from the Sanhedrin and then they conferred together. What are we going to do with these men, they asked. Everybody living in Jerusalem knows what they've done, and it's outstanding miracle, we can't deny it. But to stop this thing from spreading any further among the people, we must warn these men to speak no longer to anyone in his name. Then they called them in again and commanded them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John replied, Judge for yourself whether it is right in God's sight to obey you rather than God. For we cannot help speaking about what we have seen and heard. After further threats, they let them go. They could not decide how to punish them because all the people were praising God for what had happened. For the man who was miraculously healed was over 40 years old. On their release, Peter and John went back to their own people, reported what the chief priests and elders had said to them. And when they heard this, they raised their voices together in prayer to God. Sovereign Lord, they said, You have made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. You spoke by the Holy Spirit through the mouth of your servant, our father David, when he said, Why do the nations rage and the people plot in vain? The kings of the earth take their stand against the rulers together against the Lord and against his anointed. Indeed, Herod and Pilate met together with the Gentiles and the people of Israel in this city to conspire against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed. They did what your power and will had decided beforehand should happen. So now, Lord, consider their threats. Enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform miraculous signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant Jesus. After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken, and they were filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. Boldly. Can I ask you a question as we begin today? Are you bold? Are you courageous? Would you say that those are two words that describe you and your faith? Bold and courageous. I may seem pretty bold when I stand behind this pulpit with all of you. I get pretty worked up in here. But what am I like every day in my life out there? Do I speak up for what is right if I know that I'm going to be outnumbered in the room? (laughs) Do I stand up for those in need? Do I share my faith, believing with my whole heart that Christ has the power to save? Maybe out there, we are all a little more timid than in here. Maybe we would like to be more courageous. I know I would. The truth is, I hate confrontation, so I can find any excuse to avoid it. (laughs) But the Lord has been working on me in this. He's been pushing me out of my comfort zone lately, uh, not to be a jerk uh, or a person who seeks conflict, but a person willing to be a little more courageous, right? More confident in who I know Christ to be and what he has called me to do more willing to do and even say whatever he puts on my heart to do and say, even if it goes against the grain or might upset. The Apostle Paul wrote to a young pastor named Timothy, something that I think is good for all of us to hear. He said in 2 Timothy 1.7, God did not give us a spirit of fear or timidity, but a spirit of power, love, and discipline. He told Timothy in the very next verse, so don't be ashamed to testify about our Lord, but join me in suffering for the gospel. Are we ashamed of our faith? Ashamed of our Savior? We're so in love with him that we're boldly ready to tell everybody about him. Paul was encouraging Timothy to a more bold faith, a more courageous faith, Again, not an obnoxious faith, not a I know everything and you know nothing, arrogant, mean and judgmental faith, but a bold, courageous faith, willing to stand up and speak out and to do what Jesus has called his people to do, to be a light in the darkness, to be a voice for the voiceless, to be a witness for him every day. To be people he loves and and know that he loves them and wants them to know him. And so you share, even if they might reject you back. To be okay with being different in the world and around uh, with everybody around us. To stand up and speak out. To be bold for Jesus. This is what we see in Peter and John in our chapter for today. God just did a miracle through these guys and now they're forced into the public spotlight and the religious leaders don't like that they're giving all the glory to Jesus because they don't believe in Jesus. And so Peter and John are brought before the head honchos, the big guys, the high priest Caiaphas. I mean, he's the one in charge and with him, the same leaders are gathered around that crucified Jesus just months earlier. Peter and John are now standing before that same court that condemned Christ to a cross. They're now the guys there that could be executed next. And so you would think that Peter and John might have a little reason to hush up or be quiet or to be terrified and afraid for their own lives. But we don't see that here. Instead, the Bible says, filled with the Holy Spirit, they speak with great boldness in that moment. They say right to the high priest, you crucified the Christ. But God raised him from the dead, and salvation is found in no other name than his. That is bold. We read in this chapter that they not only speak with boldness, but it's what they pray for as a church. At the end of our chapter, that early church prayed that the Lord would enable them to speak in the name of Jesus with great boldness. And it says that after they prayed this, the place that they were meeting was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and did speak the word of God boldly, unashamed. We could pray for greater boldness today to live and speak up for Christ. You know, today I see at times Christians and and others in our country being bold for certain things that they believe in but it's usually political. I mean, we love our country, and so we're bold with our view and our values. I think people are usually bold when they feel their freedoms are being taken away, their way of life. And and of course, freedom is important to speak up about, and it's good that we vote and be involved in the laws of our country and care about what happens to it. But I just want to make a distinction here and clarify that this chapter in Acts is talking about something different than that. Peter and John were not bold about their own freedoms. They're not speaking about the direction of their country and their rights within it. The early church, frankly, didn't expect rights and freedoms and acceptance and approval by the world. I mean, the Romans hated them. The Jewish rulers hated them. Today, it's a little different for us. We aren't being persecuted in America like they were, or some places around the world still are. We're able to meet openly today. We can publicize here on YouTube and proclaim whatever we want. We can worship God. We can pass out Bibles at the university. We can talk about Jesus and share him with a friend and be baptized and not killed for it. After almost every Sunday, uh, some football player or coach is giving glory to Jesus on the news. I mean, yes, our country may be headed in a direction that we don't always think is right. And maybe we fear some of those religious freedoms are going to be taken away. And they might. So is the world as it has always been. The early church, though, did not fight for its rights. They did not expect the world to accommodate them or think and always live like they lived. They're speaking about Jesus here and salvation that is found in his name. And they're being persecuted for that. And there's a difference. I personally don't think it's our job as a church to try to, for example, get prayer back in the schools or turn our country around, even if I would love to see some of that happen. I think instead our job as a church is to proclaim the name of Jesus Christ to anyone and everywhere to raise up and train up our kids as parents and as church, to teach them that they might know the love of the Lord in their own heart, soul, strength, and mind, know that he is God and desire to worship him wholly and live for him and speak for him so that prayer in school will naturally happen because they, as followers of Jesus, will want to pray. And so they just pray. No teacher rule or legislation will get it done. It will be the spirit inside of their heart that moves them as children within our school, moves us as people within our workplaces and out in our neighborhoods and so forth. My point is simply this. We are not being called to a greater boldness to fight for our rights as Christians or for a world to accept our values and beliefs as their own. It won't. That is not our number one mission. We are called to pray for a greater boldness, to live and speak and be a witness for Jesus Christ in this world, despite the consequences done to us. In this, I think of Daniel, the Old Testament prophet. He was in exile in Babylon. And while there, the king made a rule about what he was supposed to eat. And it was against what God allowed him to eat. But Daniel didn't try to change the whole system or the rule or argue this isn't fair. He just didn't eat what God had commanded him not to eat. And God took care of him in that. That is bold. He defies a king because God for him was greater. In the next chapter, the king makes another rule that everyone's supposed to bow before a statue. But Daniel and his friends don't. Because God said, don't bow before anyone but me. (laughs) And so the leaders, they make this rule. But God is the only one they're going to worship. That's bold to not bow. The leaders make a different rule. That you're only allowed to pray to the king and not to your God for 30 days. Daniel troubled by this. But it doesn't stop him. He just goes home. He gets on his knees as he's always done and he keeps on praying to God because God is a higher authority in his life and he accepts whatever consequences that government is going to do. The Lord protects him then when he's thrown into the lions. The boldness, you see, is not necessarily a fight for our rights as much it is to keep living for the Lord and speaking for the Lord in this world. Jesus said, you're the salt of the earth. If a salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? You're the light of the world. A light put under a bowl or a stand is not what I wish, but to put on it that everyone might see light in the whole house. So too, let your light shine before everyone that they might see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. The world will not become more like Jesus. But we are to become more like Jesus in the world. That is boldness. That's when we stand out. That's when Peter and John, what we see here that they're doing and what they pray for that they'll have as a church. I want to look for a couple things here within this chapter. One, look at where courage comes from. If you, like me, are praying for greater courage in your faith to live for Christ and speak for Christ, look where courage comes from. Where did Peter get this courage? And I think this is so cool. For the last time we read about Peter at Caiaphas' house is in the Gospels when after Jesus is arrested and, and he's brought before Caiaphas, it says that Peter followed at a distance and he stayed in the courtyard. We read in Luke 22 that he waits outside when Jesus is inside being interrogated and on trial. Peter is watching the Lord from a distance. And we're told in Luke 22, Peter sits down next to a fire to warm himself. As he's waiting and a servant girl notices him and in front of the crowd that is there says this man was with Jesus and Peter afraid suddenly for his life denies it and says woman I don't know that man and then a little while later somebody else comes up to Peter and says hey you're one of Jesus's disciples aren't you and Peter a second time says I'm not. And and then once more, the Bible says, about an hour later, a third person comes up to Peter and says, certainly you're one of those who was with Jesus because you're a Galilean. And Peter, a third time, denies knowing the Lord. And suddenly a rooster crows. And Peter remembers the words of Jesus at the Last Supper that said, you will disown me three times before the rooster crows. And remembering this, Peter went out and wept bitterly. But this is where I think it's so cool. For what's happening in our scripture. The Lord brings Peter right back to the place of his greatest failure, Caiaphas' house. Where just three months earlier, Peter did not have the courage to say that he knew and loved Jesus. But God brings Peter back to the same location. It's like it's a do-over. And something is different about Peter this time around. One, Peter's not on the outside looking in. Peter's on the inside now, standing in the same place Jesus stood before the same ones who put Jesus to death. And and yet it says, Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, it's by the name of Jesus, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, that this man is healed. Peter is different in three months. How? One, it says here, Peter was filled with the Holy Spirit. Peter has also watched Jesus Christ go through this and has seen him die courageously on a cross for us out of love and then rise in three days. Peter's seen that. Peter has experienced the forgiveness and the mercy of the Lord. That after Jesus had risen, looked at Peter and loved him still, even after he denied the Lord. Peter's got the love and the mercy and the forgiveness of the Lord. And Peter has the Holy Spirit living on the inside now. He's a new guy. This is where courage comes from from the forgiveness of the Lord, the mercy of the Lord, from the love of the Lord, from the Holy Spirit, from focusing on Jesus had the courage to go through this and I, in his spirit, in his power, I'm going to be able to do it. Courage comes from the presence and the power of the Lord, the grace of God at work in his life, the Holy Spirit. This reminds me of Joshua in the Old Testament. Joshua was the guy that God called to fill the shoes after Moses when Moses died. I mean, talk about a big job. But God came to him in Joshua 1 and said, Moses is dead. Get ready to cross the Jordan into the land that I am going to give the Israelites. I will give you every place you set your foot as I was with Moses. I'll be with you. I'll never leave or forsake you. And then God says one of my favorite Bible verses, Joshua 1.9, where God says, I have I not commanded you be strong and courageous. Don't be terrified. Don't be discouraged for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. And so Joshua had the promise of God. He had the presence of God. He had the anointing of God. And he led those people remembering how God had been with them all the way through. And he wasn't going to abandon them now. He led him across the Jordan River. God parted it just like he did the Red Sea. He, he walked around the walls of Jericho. The walls came tumbling. down. God gave him that land. Joshua showed courage, trusting in God. In a similar way, that's what we see in our chapter. Jesus has died and risen and gone to heaven. Peter's now called on to step up and lead. And as the servant of the Lord. And as we saw last week, Peter does this amazing miracle because God is with him in the In Jesus' name, he's able to heal this guy. And so now we see the courage in Peter. We see the boldness and authority come over Peter as he stands before the Jewish council. This is not the same guy as before. He's not. He's he's got the promise of God, the presence of God. He's been called of God. He's been filled with the Spirit. He's been forgiven and loved and knows it. He's seen Jesus here. He is ready to go. Courage isn't the absence of fear. It's the times when we're still afraid and we still do it anyway. We still speak because his love is greater. He is more. We still lead. We still trust him because we know he's with us and he did. and been faithful all these times and we know he's going to be faithful now. The Lord's with you. The Spirit will help you. God has called you. Be strong and courageous. I think of Paul's words in Romans 1.16. I'm not ashamed of the gospel. Because it is the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes. In almost every book of the New Testament, we see and hear the courage of that early church. A boldness of belief and faith and speech and willingness to lay down their life. For they believed God had called them, the Lord was with them, and the Spirit would help them. The second thing, though, I wanted to point out is the boldness of the truth that they proclaimed. Peter and John, they don't mix their words. They don't hold back. They tell these guys, you crucified Jesus, but God raised him from the dead. They tell these guys, he's the stone the builders rejected, right? He's the cornerstone. They're telling them, you killed the Messiah. They don't soften their words. They speak it directly and boldly. But I want us to see that even more bold than this is verse 12. For in verse 12, Peter says the truth salvation is found in no one else. There's no other name under heaven given to men by which we must be saved. In our world today, that is the boldest thing you could say. Say, a person can be saved many different ways, but Jesus is our way. No, these guys are so bold to say, there's no other way, there's no other God, there's no other religion. him. It's the boldness of Moses when he stands before Pharaoh and says, the Lord says, let my people go. When he goes there and says, the Lord says, it's a standoff between the Lord and the so-called powers and gods of Egypt. It's the same boldness we see with Elijah when the king and queen and the prophets of Baal were threatening and the people of the land had these mixed opinions as to whom to trust. Elijah stands up and declares, one God And one God that they had abandoned. And they, he took on those 450 prophets of Baal. And God came down. It was bold. Peter and John are simple, uneducated, ordinary fishermen from Galilee. And they're talking to the educated high priests and prophets and and Pharisees and leaders, religious leaders in charge. They're telling them you guys got it wrong. Jesus is the Christ and only in him can we be saved. For God so loved the world that he sent his one and only son that whoever believes in him will have everlasting life. Jesus said it in John fourteen six. I am the way, the truth, the life. There is no other way to the father except through me. No one. How bold of a truth that we Christians are asked to believe and proclaim. I mean, our message is bold today in this world. It is black and white in a gray world that wants to believe there are many different ways and truths that are out there. So bold and willing to proclaim this truth that it says that they are able to accept whatever the consequences But they will not back down of proclaiming the name of Jesus. When we go out there today and we speak and we live, we're not to do it with hate in our hearts or judgment towards a world. We're to say it, though, with conviction and love and grace and humility, boldly proclaiming that Jesus Christ is the way, the one Lord, the one God. I mean, if you believe the Bible, if you believe in Jesus, this is what he says. That he died on that cross to save you and only by faith in his blood are we made righteous, period, end of story. And I am all for greater love and tolerance in this world and treating people with respect and listening and caring for them and better understanding. Boy, we need to do that today. But I am not for tolerance if it means watering down every message and speaking about truth as subjective and based on our feelings, our wants or our opinions and not the actual word of God. We Christians are bold simply in what we believe and what we're asked to proclaim. One God, one Lord, one faith, one salvation. It's found in no one else. There's no other name under heaven given we must be saved. Do we still have that conviction today as a church and as Christians? And then the last and final thing I wanted to point out from our chapter is how Caiaphas and the other leaders respond to these apostles. They respond with threats. Don't speak about Jesus anymore or else. And Peter and John respond to that with, I got to obey God and not you. Peter's speech, it says in verse 13 afterwards, when the rulers rulers saw the courage of Peter and John and realized they were unschooled ordinary men, they took note these guys had been with Jesus. They could see Christ at work in them. They were hoping that by crucifying Jesus, this whole movement would just go away. But it was only getting stronger. And verse 21 says, they looked at the crowd. The crowd was now praising God for the miracle. And so they knew they couldn't punish Peter and John If the guy who's standing there has obviously been healed, and the crowd was in favor of it, which is an interesting twist, because with Jesus, the Bible says that Caiaphas and the leaders were able to to kind of stir up the crowd to all chant crucify Christ, but that doesn't happen here, because it was God's will, I believe, for Jesus to go to the cross. But it's not God's will for Peter and John in this moment. His call. For them is to go free and to continue to spread the word of the gospel. And so God is at work in the crowd. The crowd doesn't side with Caiaphas this time. Instead, it sides with Peter and John. Caiaphas is losing the crowd and he knows it. The tide is turning and so he realizes he can't punish these guys uh, or the nation will rebel. And so the only thing that they can do is threaten them. Just threaten them not to speak about Jesus anymore. Verse 18 says they command them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. Now when we live for Christ in our world, the devil's not going to like it. Sometimes the world's not going to like it. Even family or friends may want us just to be quiet. And at times we may feel those threats. Maybe even just in our head, the devil's getting in there telling us people are going to reject you if you share your faith and tell them you're a Christian. We may fear losing friends or losing our place on a team or a job if we give ourselves first to Christ. Things haven't really changed, you see. The devil is still trying to make you fear people rather than love and obey God. But notice what Peter and John say. It's so good, it needs to be our response. In verse 19, they say, Judge for yourself whether it's right in God's sight to obey you and not God. We cannot help but speak about what we have seen and heard. They are choosing to obey God over man. When a world may threaten, whom will you fear more? God or the world. Whom will you love more? God or the world. I've told you this story before of how my wife in great courage stood up to eight gang members who were picking on a disabled boy in a park in Chicago. And I watched her go and needed to do, or to do what needed to be done to protect that kid. I stood by and feared for my life as she seemed to not care what happened to hers or mine, but was focused on that kid and loving that kid and protecting that kid from harm. And she acted and spoke with such great courage and authority And all those tough guys just walked away. I watched them walk away. I kind of casually speak about this story at times, but man, it was a miracle. It was courageous. And it was the Holy Spirit at work in her. But I've often thought about that moment because Carrie's mind was not on what happened to her or me, but it was just on what doing what the Lord had commanded her to do in that moment, defend the one who needed defending. And she boldly and courageously did it. In our scripture, Peter and John, they're not thinking of themselves, what might happen to them. They're singular focused on Jesus. He had done a miracle. They were witnesses to that. They had seen him die and rise, and they are not going to rob Jesus of this glory. He had died and rose for their sins that anyone who calls on his name might have eternal life. And and they're not going to let someone silence the gospel or deprive a person from hearing and believing and being saved. They're going to continue to preach and serve Jesus. Whatever's going to happen to them, God is in control. If the Jewish leaders are going to kill him, so be it. Their obedience is to God. Their eternity is secured with him. They're living for Christ and not for them. This is the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. When King Nebuchadnezzar set up that gold idol and made a law that everybody fall down and worship and bow before it or be thrown into a blazing furnace, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego said, no way, we're not going to do it. And so enraged, the king called them in and all he could do was threaten them. He turned up the furnace seven times hotter and he said, who at God can save you from that? And they replied, Nebuchadnezzar, we don't need to defend ourselves before you. If we're thrown into this furnace, the God we serve is able to save us from it. He will rescue us from your hand. But even if he doesn't, I want you to know we will not serve your gods or worship the gold you have set up. And so furious that the threats didn't work, the king throws them into the fire only to instantly see a miracle. That these guys didn't die, nor was a hair on their head even singed. In fact, the king looked in and he saw a fourth man in the fire with them. One that he said appeared to be the son of God. Jesus was in the fire protecting them. Nebuchadnezzar called them out of the fire. They walked out. Not even a smell of smoke was on them. Amazed, Nebuchadnezzar changed his mind and began to see the truth of God. This is what courage and boldness can do. And that is what we see in our chapter. They just release Peter and John, and all the believers celebrate. And what do they do? They pray for greater boldness and for God to stretch out his hand even more and heal and do miracles in the name of Jesus. And that is what we need to pray for. Not for an easier life, but for greater courage, boldness, and faith. For we've been entrusted with the gospel that has the power to save anyone and everyone. That they might know God, experience his love and joy and peace. We can't be quiet about that. For salvation is found in no one else There is no other name under heaven given to men by which we must be saved. We cannot help but speak about what we have seen and heard. Have a great Sunday. Thanks for listening to this week's message. To stay up to date with all of Bethlehem Covenant Church's information and events, head to bccwaverly.org.